It is the Suicide Prevention Show. We are waking up the world to the power of positivity. We're all about making suicide, especially teen suicide, a thing of the past. And to help us do that and to take us into a world that I was not familiar with at all, I want you to pay attention. We're going into the world of activation. And I was like, act of what? And so Natan said, activation. And I'm like, what is that? And he said, don't worry, we'll talk about it. So help me welcome into the studio, Natan, please turn on your camera, turn on your microphone. Ha ha. Say something. Hi, Jackie, how are you? There we go, I can hear you now. So I'm giving awesome. away my age. Cool. Natan, how are you? Oh, I'm doing wonderful. Thank you so much. What an amazing day. I've been working all day on the back end and doing, you know, administrative work and stuff like that at the Academy. And so I've kept the, the summit and the show going on all day long for the last literally 12 hours. It was awesome. From when you opened it up to, I'm like, oh no, it's me. I'm closing it. Okay. Get some coffee and you get some energy because you got to end big. You got to end strong. So I'm here to help. I'm here to support the cause hundred percent. All right, so let's get clear. The cause is staying oblivious to the edge. We don't ever wanna to have to talk anybody off the ledge. So suicide prevention in our parlance is not intervention. It's not about their signs. It's actually the things that keep you oblivious to the fact that there's an edge. And so that's the conversation that I want to have is, what in the world, according to Natan, is activation and how does that keep people from getting near the edge? Okay. In the most clinical traditional sense, if we're looking at activation levels, activation could be called energy. So an easier way to say instead of activation levels, we're looking at energy levels. But energy is just very, it's generic, it's vague, it's okay, energy. It's neither here nor there, it's neither kinetic nor potential. It's just a thing. If we look at activation levels, we're specifically looking at the button, the button that presses it to do something with that energy, to turn that potential energy into kinetic, whether we're doing it physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, sexually, financially, uh, cosmically, whatever trigger you want to activate, those are like different equalizers in on a stereo. Okay, hold it. Whatever trigger you want to activate, so now I understand how activation could be used in a sentence. Whatever okay. trigger, and you listed off a bunch of triggers that things might people might want to change, that you want to activate, which implies choice. Yes, always. Okay, so cool. So now I'm going to do something that I love to do, and it freaks people out, so I'm going to do it anyway. Okay. It's on. What was your, what, take us before you understood activation. Hmm. I was a kid growing up as an immigrant over in Calgary, Alberta, coming from the former USSR and was never, you know, on the best dress list going through elementary parents were looking at uh, Salvation Army type clothing and stuff. And so I, I'd had more than one episode where you know, my mom is a new immigrant lady was trying to figure out the fashion, but this looked like really cool Spider-Man um, jogging suit ended up being a Spider-Man set of pajamas. 
and you find that out in grade five, that tends to be an event for that day, let me tell you. Well, we're so, going to call that trauma. I can we'll call that trauma. Let's go with that. I mean, the other fifth graders might not have been so nice about pointing out. I'm convinced they weren't. I'm convinced they weren't. But, you know, it's a, it's a recurring theme. And it's, it's one of those things that you look at it as either a springboard to, oh, that was a pivot moment in my life. That was a moment that I said, ah, I could look at it this way, but I choose not to. I empower myself and I choose to look at it this way. And that's where it shifts because some people can take that same event and, and you know, like we're talking about being internally motivated versus like externally motivated, which is just fleeting. When you have those internal moments that define you, they have nothing to do with the external, your internal happiness, your internal motivation, your internal way to define yourself has nothing to do with the way the rest of the world looks at you. Okay, so let's just say that's given, that the way we see ourselves and the way other people see us have no connection. Okay. So, so that in and of itself might be startling. <laughs> All right, so if anybody finds this startling, I'm just gonna say, hang on, get somebody's hand to hold because we're gonna go where no one else has gone before. I'm a Star Trek fan, you can tell. Um, so if what I see in myself has no connection to what other people see in me, what's the problem? I mean, I, I'm like, there's something missing. What's missing? What's the problem here? I don't see one. That's the beauty. A lot of people see problems where there aren't any. Ooh, beautiful that other people see problems where there aren't any. Okay, so the human condition is that people are seeing problems where there aren't any. Where in your life is that true? That you saw a problem? That it would be a much shorter list, Jackie, to go where in my life that wasn't true. <laughs> it's been phenomenal. One of the things, we, we just came off a, a five-day uh, complimentary challenge called No More Breaks for 2021. And we're learning to overcome your success blockers. And in the five days we went through money and body image and imposter syndrome and bad habits and relationships. And the big bonus on day six was fear, you know, false education appearing real. And I know that there's a bunch of versions of that that I've heard, but that was the first one I ever heard. And that one always stuck with me. Fear oh, I've never is, heard that one. Okay, false education appearing real, F-E-A-R. Okay, so I've heard false evidence appearing real, but I've never heard false education appearing real. I found that more powerful. We're not getting financial education from anyone other than our parents. And God bless them. If they were millionaires, they may or may not share their success journey. If they were immigrants like mine, all they're going to tell me is to do is work hard and you better go to school because, you know, university is the way to go because they're from the 50s. And in Russia, coming from the 50s, that's exactly what you did if you wanted to make sure everything worked and mm -hmm. your life worked and everything was great. But it wasn't so different. But at the same time, I could tell things were starting to become different. And now, so different. Wow. You know, my daughter is 11 going on 20. <laughs> so I am um, <laughs> like that. I raised three. Wow. So, yeah, I'm, I'm having this is water. Relax. <laughs> Hey, you know, I got no judgment because oh, it's the end of the night. I need to hydrate. It's been a long day. 
So I'm, I'm just going to tell you that we have started something because I'm going to post uh, repost Donna's thing because it came just to panelists. Donna okay. says face everything and rise. That's her acronym for fear. Ooh, also a great one. And so the one that I use when I'm teaching is the, um, we'll call it the opposite of Donna's okay. is forget everything and run. Ooh, I like that. Where do you run to? Uh, anywhere, because that's the fight or flight. You know, it doesn't matter where you're going. It only matters that you're going away from what the problem is. And I did not create this. Um, my middle daughter, Stephanie, I think, told me this one for the first time. Forget everything and run. Yeah, Katie's, Katie's on it because she knows this is my thing. So face everything and rise is a beautiful flip on this. Fear can be used in so many different ways. And so my definition of activation, based on what you've shared so far, is the ability to choose what that acronym means. Yes, everyone gets to be their own Pope. I remember I got licensed as a medical hypnotherapist back in 97. And I'm at a convention in the States in New Hampshire in uh, Nassau. And it's this lady who is so incredibly impactful and she comes outside for a cigarette as a medical hypnotherapist at a medical hypnotherapist convention. And she's talking to me as I'm having my cigarette and uh, 20 years smoking. There, there's something here that is just hysterical to me as a former smoker. Okay, so you too then, yeah. I, I get 20 years, I've been, I think 25 plus years smoker. But back then, so we're out there, we're having a cigarette. It's the middle of the convention. It was my first one ever. And I was stunned at so many things as a hypnotherapist, as a, as a vehicle, as a mechanism, as a as so many things. And I'm just like talking to her, you know, I'm going, oh, there's crazy this, but this, and then I've got this, but man, oh, man but then, 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 but she goes, Natan, I want you to just take the same sentences you just said, take that word, but I want you to replace it with the word and. And like that sentence isn't gonna make quite as much sense anymore. She goes, I know, right? She goes, so imagine you were saying to your girlfriend, Hey, baby, you want to go out to the movies tonight? And your girlfriend says, ah, oh, you know, I want to, but I'm tired. Oh, I guess we're not going then. Gotcha. Versus if you say, hey, baby, you want to go to the movies tonight? And she goes, oh, I want to. And I'm tired. Okay, so should we get a coffee then? Or yes, let's get a Red Bull. Let's get So all of a sudden, but stops everything and keeps things going. It looks for an opportunity, it looks for an opening. It finds that window, the silver lining, it gets a door when there's none. It's an incredibly empowering word. And I'm just stunned by that. Just such simple little things that we don't need gigantic, you know, life-changing events that take 14 hours to go through, like a, a three-day ayahuasca adventure or something like that. Sometimes it's just a simple one word Never use that word again. Should, would, could, uh, blah, 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 all that stuff. And just something is, and, oh, instead of but, yeah, try that. It changes everything, so. There we go. So what changed for you when you substituted the word and for the word but? I mean, what happened after that? Everything opened up. Whereas okay, everything, but hold it. I'll be everything. Unpack everything. What specifically? You're not going to get away with you from yeah. this with me. That was too easy. Yeah. Uh -huh. 
when I say everything opened up, I say when we look at all of those mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, sexual, financial, like when we start going through all of the borders and all those equalizers. Take one. Mental. Okay, what happened? Mental opened up because now all of a sudden I wasn't thinking linear. If I go this way and I think this thought all the way through, at one point I hit a cliff ah, and I fall off the cliff, crap. And every time I think this damn thought, it keeps going to the end and I keep falling off the cliff. Why am I going to keep punishing myself and thinking this thought? I don't want to be sadistic. So we go the other way. We become circular. And circular is awesome if all of a sudden you can go, okay, it seems to go this way. And now it changes if you add this and if you add this and if you add this. Circular is dangerous because it can keep on wheeling and dealing and going around and around. So it became, and what else? And that triggered you forward like a cartwheel. It made you Ooh. just keep on rolling down the road. For those of us who never physically ma mastered cartwheels, doing mental cartwheels is an awesome thing. Very much so. It'll trigger you to thinking, ah, you know what? How are you thinking about this? Stop right now. How are you thinking about this? Are you thinking about this first person with your arms folded on your chest going, I don't know if I believe this guy. I don't know if I believe this girl. Are you inside this as if you're experiencing this right now and going, oh my God, I can't tell the next words he's going to say, but it's going to take me somewhere. Are you in trance? Are you in flow? Are you in that state of now? All right, so we'll assume that everyone on this call is totally present. Everyone hey. listening or watching to the recording is totally present. What is activation is the conversation because we are still kind of exploring what this looks like. So we looked at the mental and it allows you to do some mental gymnastics, literally okay. somersaults. What is the next one? So let's go with emotional. If you look at emotional activation, I believe that if we wanted to put it into a 60,000 foot overview so that we could get a, a better firm grip on this, let's take a look at a, not a traumatic event, that would be too strong. Let's look at a, an, an event that seems to be very stressful, a stressful stimuli. Okay, so not that, anybody, not that anybody in this day and age has ever experienced the fight or flight response. Correct. Has ever but, had anything stressful, but just give yourself case. permission to maybe so know somebody. I got, I know somebody. I got a friend who's okay. stressed. There we go. Okay. I've never heard of such a thing. Yes. There we go. Then I can say the, in my experience, let me quantify it. The number one best way to not get the result that you're looking for is to hit karate, force on force. Ah. Okay, so now we're in martial arts, which is your background, so I'm not surprised. So if I'm pushing against something with equal force, nothing moves. Or if I'm going here and I'm blocking with equal energy, there's a lot of pain at that impact point. How? Yeah. If we're looking at verbal Aikido, we're looking at being able to take and take your energy and say, you seem to be very intent on pushing all of this force and energy this way. Let me help you out and let you keep on going down your journey. Hold it. I'm just going to get out of you. Verbal Aikido. Aikido. Yeah. I'm kind of liking this concept. Okay. So not mine. <laughs> I won't take credit for that one. But verbal Aikido is a concept in the same way that 
if we look at, I want to change the state I'm in and I'm blessed enough to have been able to identify what's the number one thing because the body is humanly odd in the sense that it can only pick up one pain point at a time. So okay. if your ear is really hurting and I come smack you on the knee and your knee hurts more than your ear, trust me, at that second, you don't even know about your ear. All you hear is your knee. Okay, so we can only it. focus on one thing at a time, meaning we are blessed enough to be able to, if we can tune in, if we can really, really become aware and cognizant of what's going on inside, we can figure out what's the number one thing that's really, really going ding, 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 ding because the squeaky wheel gets the oil, right? So is it mental? Is my mind freaking out right now and just logically cannot figure out what the hell to do because it's freaking out? Is it emotional and going, oh my God, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. What if it's or is it, the same time? Or is it physical? Now, if it's physical in the sense that you're like, your stomach hurts. Like you feel nauseous, you feel uh, weak, you feel dizzy. That's physical. I, yeah, yeah, it's an emotional root and blah, blah. You feel that and don't feel emotional. That feels, oh God, I feel awful. I feel horrible. I feel physically off. Emotionally, I feel way more emotional. I'm quick to anger or I'm going to quick to, to cry. I'm emotional. And then mental is like, hey, mentally, I could normally be logical. And, and talk my way out of things, but I'm freaking out because logically like, ah. Yeah. So okay. if, if yeah. you're stuck, you've got to figure out which one you're stuck in. I know they're all yelling at you, but one of them's going to be yelling louder. Which one? Figure out which one's yelling louder. Is it physical? Don't be silly. Don't go karate and try to beat physical on physical. Don't go off. Oh, what, physical is feels what is that word you're using? And you're saying it so fast and it sounds Japanese, but I'm not oh, sure. Oh, the, the, the mispronunciation in English of karate. Thank you. So, slowing it down. Karate. Right. Karate. Um, and that philosophy, break it down because I, I need the system. Okay. Nothing's wrong with karate in no way, shape or form am I knocking it. It is an incredibly powerful technique. It is the ability to, <laughs> the start of an Okinawa, which is one of the little islands off Japan. I lived there. I know oh, Okinawa. I actually you understand that's, hard that's style. My, that's my Thank you. Version. Okay, you're speaking my language, so you get hard style. Okinawa are famous for the hardest people in all of Japan. The beginning of one of their martial arts is you go to a rock, you'll know which one it is because there's a big kind of dark red patch on it. That would be the blood of people who have come here before you because the beginning of the art is you punch the rock till you break these two knuckles. Ow! Yeah, it's fun stuff, I know. You ready for the good stuff? Once yeah. you break those two knuckles, you continue to punch the broken knuckles until you build up a callus. Once you build up a callus of broken bone, punching broken bone on rock, you are then allowed to apply to come into the martial art because we're going to be punching bricks and walls and we're going to go through them like we're freaking superheroes. Okay, that's, so what that's they do. not exactly the way it's taught in the United States of America. No, <laughs> yeah. that's soft style. This is hard style. Got it. Now I understand the difference. Okay, so thank okay. you for taking us on that very graphic, relatively painful, maybe traumatic journey. Soft style is what I had when my martial art instructor, I'm in the ring, and I put my hands up and he kicked me in the stomach and I fly across the back 
And all of a sudden he said, oh, you okay, you okay, okay? Because I'm worth $300 a month to him. So he's terrified for a couple different reasons. Hard style is when my Russian military karate guy who is the sistema, system in Russian, and who comes over, he kicks me, I fly across the room, I'm breathing, I'm fluffing blood, I'm panting and I look at him and I'm waiting for him to say, I'm sorry. And he looks at me and goes, ready? Okay, let's begin. And you're like, oh, I'm gonna get beaten. <laughs> so there's a difference in that sense, but we're talking activation levels. And we're talking activation levels in terms of what turns you on? What turns you off? Okay. It is a light bulb, it is a dimmer switch, it is all of that. So we're not talking it has to be bloody knuckles or- Goodness, no. Okay. <laughs> no. So, so, okay, so we're gonna leave all of that behind. Sorry okay. for anybody who found that nauseous. Let's come into what activation can be in okay. a gentler style without, okay, so- 100% gentler in a therapeutic setting. What we were talking about originally was, you need to figure out, are you being in a traumatic stimulation more mental, more physical, or more emotional. And if it's more mental, don't try to come up with a mental exercise to fix it. That's gonna be really, really hard. Stressful and take a lot of your energy. <laughs> Instead, if it's a mental issue, I suggest you try something physical because it's so completely different. So I'm mentally worried about this. Great, go do 10 push-ups. That has nothing to do with this. Perfect. Okay, you know what? I'm physically in my stomach, okay great, you need to go do this emotional drill. But that has nothing to do with how I feel. Perfect. Okay, so for many people, we understand mental, we understand physical. What would be an emotional drill? Mm. Would you like to do one? Oh, sure. I've been a guinea pig on this show before. Okay. All right. Here we go. Lay it on me. Bring it on. <laughs> this is probably the most impactful, most famous one that we have. This is one right. that I call the mental scream drill. Mental scream. I thought we were yeah. doing emotional. Well, well, how much more emotional can you get than screaming in your mind? All right. I'm with you there. <laughs> okay. All right. So bring it on. So why and where? Well, yeah, I've got three people around me. I can't go to the bathroom and I'm freaking out from anxiety. I need to scream, but that would be extraordinarily inappropriate and probably get me fired. So... I need a mental scream drill. Ah, gotcha. I'm in the bathroom. I freaked out for two minutes and I got stalls all around me. I still can't scream, inappropriate. I need a mental scream drill. And I need something connected to biofeedback. For my people who understand the mechanisms of the body, you have to trick yourself a little bit so that if you know what you're gonna do before you do it, it's not gonna work. You have to plant little tricks and tricks because you know yourself better than anyone knows yourself. So the little biofeedback traps are there to make sure that you don't play with the formula. The formula is simple. You're going to be taking a deep breath. You're going to be taking, not yet, when I say go. <laughs> okay, I can take a deep breath. I know This is absolutely one of those. I'm going to tell you what we're doing, then we're doing it, and then afterwards we're going to talk about it. There's a couple okay. moving parts and you want to be aware of it. You really, really do. It's going Thank to make you. it way cooler. Now I know what we're doing. You're going to tell me what we're going to do, and then we're going to do it. Okay. Yes. So step one, and this is the least important part. We're going to be looking at certain movements, taking a deep breath in, concentrating on a ball of negativity, 
taking a deep breath out and bringing that down into the pit of our stomach. And we're gonna be then squeezing all of our knees, muscles, nose, our eyebrows, our, our toes, every muscle that we can conceive of in our body and a bunch we can't. Earlobes, like squeeze everything. And you're gonna be squeezing, and this is the trick. You're gonna be squeezing as long and as loud and as hard as you have to until you can't scream anymore. So one of them is going to end first. Either your scream is going to want to go on for like 10 minutes, but you're going to run out of breath. Okay, and that's not going to work. Okay. Or you're going to feel like, no, no, my scream ended, but I can keep squeezing, but you're going to run out of breath. Or you're going to feel like I can. So it doesn't matter where your anxiety is coming from, if it's mental, physical, or emotional. This drill covers all three because you have to know that even if you feel anxious, in your body, mentally, you're gonna to have to stop at one point. If you feel anxious emotionally, physically, you're gonna to have to stop at one point. And if you feel anxious physically, emotionally, at one point, you gotta let it go, man. At one point, you gotta stop screaming. So no matter where you're coming from, it's a biofeedback and it has nothing to do with me or my speed, it's you. Got Every it. Every time you do it. So biofeedback used to mean that somebody hooked me up to wires and I could watch <laughs> the lights. You're literally talking about biological feedback. You direct you and you listen to Ooh. what your results are and you right. decide what that means. I'm good with I'm good with this. Okay, I'm ready to you direct you. I got this. In through the nose, out through the mouth, take a deep breath in, close your eyes. Asking a lot. One more. And when you bring it down, start to condense it. Push it down into the ball of your stomach. Deep breath in through the nose and down further. Down, down, down. Squeeze. Squeeze it into a ball of negativity. All the pain, all the shame, all the pain and the hardship. Everything inside you that has ever told you that you were smaller or weaker, take a deep breath and squeeze it down inside there. Know that in your muscles, squeeze your nose and your toes and your arms and your legs and every part of your body. Scream, scream as loud and as long as you hard to. Do it, feel it inside, let it go. For everybody who's ever hurt you, for everyone that you've ever hurt, for every time that you've ever felt less than you should be, scream as loud and as loud and as hard as you have to. And when you can't scream anymore, or when you can't squeeze your muscles anymore, take a deep breath. Let it go. Take another deep breath. Relax your mind. Last one. Deep breath. Relax your body, open your eyes. How do you feel? Uh, well, I was pretty good until I read my daughter's comment in the chat about whatever face I was making trying to squeeze things. Ah. <laughs> video that I have to cut, I'm just saying. Um, but anyway, I'll look at it later in post-production. In the meantime, that was pretty cool. Okay, so the idea is to breathe in, bring all of the things that are uncomfortable to mind, 
And as you breathe out, squeeze them down. And then breathe in again and bring all the things that are uncomfortable to mind. And as you breathe out, squeeze them down. And then keep squeezing them until you either run out of emotion or run out of thinking, or run out of air. You can't squeeze anymore. You can't scream anymore. You're just like, I can't do this. Yeah, anything. That's cool. the beauty. Okay. And, and then when you take your next set of breathing, it's about just noticing that it's gone. It's not even a letting go. It's really just noticing that it's gone. Correct. Do we want to go one level deeper? Do we want to know what it's like if we want to have a trauma that we want to actually get rid of forever and ever and ever? All right, so uh, here's the disclaimer. If you are listening to this while you're driving, stop it. Good call. Gee whiz. All right. wow. and, and I didn't think to do that before the last Sorry and thanks. I should have, yeah. Oops. We're going to go deeper. We're going to put the disclaimer. If you're listening to this and you're driving or operating machinery, stop. Because this is an audience participation. Yes. If you want to, part. So Katie, you could participate and not watch. Okay, so- Good. Now that we've got the disclaimer in place, Natan, bring it on. Okay. Disclaimer in place. Let's look at taking something and let's look at getting rid of something. This is incredibly useful as a technique in terms of quick, simple, everything from a bad boyfriend, bad relationship and anything in that genre, all the way over to um, something on the other side, something bad that you did, that you're uncomfortable with, that you don't feel that is right in the world, but you have no way to make right. And it's just bothering the heck out of you and it's gonna just live with you forever. Anything in any way of those, it's a huge spectrum. Okay. The exercise, if you happen to know anything about um, Sherlock Holmes and, and that time there was this one story where it's on the moors and you're in a little dark rowboat and there's like misty, foggy night and you're going under near a bridge. If we could begin there, if everyone could be ready, that's the thought I'd like you to visualize. Take a deep breath, in through the nose, out through the mouth. Close your eyes, visualize the moors. It's dark, it's cold, the air is salty, it stings. You're on a rowboat, you're by yourself. As you're going slowly, slowly, slowly through the waters, you come to a point and you look around, you're near a bridge, you're near the open water, there's moor mist and fog everywhere. This is the perfect spot. You look down in the boat, there's a burlap sack, like a potato sack. It seems quite full. Next to it is a rope, like a good thick solid rope. And next to it looks like a, a big rock, 10, 20, 30 pounds. I don't know, it's big. It's weird shape, it's just a rock. And that's it. It's all I see in the boat. And I want you to open up that sack and take a look inside and see. This is that painful memory. This is that trauma. This is that hurt. This is that cry. This is that shame. This is that guilt. This is that trauma. This is that one event that you wish would just go away. This is that one person that hurt you. This is that one person that you hurt. 
This is that one bag filled with all of it. It's all there. And it looks awful. And you just want to be done with it forever. Pick up the rock. Put the rock in the sack. Squish down everything around it. Tie up the top of that sack. Grab that rope. Tie it, tie it, tie it, tie it tight. Squeeze it. You don't even know how strong you are. You're incredibly strong. Pick up that sack. It's huge. It doesn't matter. Hold it over your head and know that when you throw it, when you get rid of it, when it goes into that water, when it disappears, it is gone. It is gone forever from your mind, from your life, from your soul. It is gone from your experience. It never happened. It is not a thing. It is nothing. Pick it up. Take a deep breath. Let's count to three. One. Ready to let go mentally. Two. Ready to let go physically. Three. Ready to let go spiritually. Gone forever. Throw it. Watch it sink down into the black water, into the moors. Fade away. No matter how hard you look, it's gone. Can't possibly see it. Take a deep breath. Come back to your mind. Take a deep breath. Center yourself. Come back to your body. Open your eyes. Welcome back. How do you feel? Well, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's an amazingly powerful um, visualization of being able to release the past. And while the events may not change, the meaning does. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know your personal philosophy on past life regression, but I'll tell you a story and you know, disclaimer, take it as you will. Cool. I'll take I it. I had a gentleman come see me with a, like a side turned neck and he's in his mid fifties and couldn't figure it out in the last 20 years, spent thousands of dollars, if not tens of thousands on therapies, doctors, tests, couldn't figure out what on earth is wrong with his neck. And his wife gifted me as a session for him for his birthday. He's like, hey, at this point, man, I'll try anything. Hypno, whatever, man. Okay, activate, whatever. You got it. Go, buddy. You tell me what to do. And he didn't not believe it. He didn't believe it. Just generically neutral. Perfect. So we do a regression. Are you familiar with regression? Mm -hmm. I am. But just in case there are people on the call who are not, or people listening to it who are not, regression, in my understanding, means that we're um, accessing potential previous incarnations of our soul. At its best, at its, at its shorter version, it's just going backwards. So at some point it's going backwards into a past life, but even before we could do regression into this life. Got it. Okay. So we could, it's just going backwards a bit versus progression. That's all. That's cool. So with, with somebody like him, <laughs> we looked at <clears throat> we looked at regression 
And we keep going back and we're going back and there's a traumatic incident when he's three and when he's two and he's one. And we're able to go back. And at one point, we're going back now about three lifetimes ago. And at that point, he finally concludes that he's a cattle rustler and he's stealing cows, uh, sorry, horses. And um, he gets caught and he gets hung. And ever since then, he's felt guilty and he's had this neck pain. And the moment that we regressed him back to that, he understood it. There was like a shotgun clip cracked as he turned his head to the other side. And we heard this relief for the first time in 20 years. And he stood up and he walked out. It was crazy. So activation levels, <laughs> being able to get rid of emotional or mental baggage, much less physical baggage, it's all connected. This guy went back three lifetimes and released a physical pain now. Other people don't, you know, subscribe to that or don't go into that or don't work in that way. And that's okay. They have an ability right now to look at it. My mom <laughs> comes from Russia with like the 18 gold teeth and had 18 gold teeth removed with no needles and no anesthetic. She was at McGill Hospital in their observatory with like 30 young student doctors watching the three hour operation. As teeth after, and, and if you can pull 18 teeth in three hours, bravo to you. Wow, that's like, you do the math, right? You're, you're humming. And for her, it was the ability to not just no pain and nothing else. And I'll just take a deep breath and I'll trigger you with my fingers. And when I say five, open up. And that means I'm done. And when I don't, that means I'm under. And for her, that was her trigger with her doctor. And they agreed to their system. NLP, anchors, triggers, the basic stuff. Mm -hmm. And when they were watching, one of the benefits was, is that she visualized desert in her mind. So there was no bleeding, which is the number one thing they're worried about. That's the thing that slows them down the most. Got a bunch of blood everywhere. It's, it's very hard to do your work, much less see what you're doing. And there was none and they were freaking out going, <laughs> um, this is not normal or human. What's going on? She just visualized the desert really, really hard. I personally had 16, no 18. One third, right? But my 16th were all pulled at the same time. I put Bob Marley, everything's going to be all right on my headphones. I laid back, I visualized and boom, you know, an hour later before I knew it, it was done. And what was fascinating was the next day I called my dentist and I thanked him and he thought it was a prank call. It's impossible. Nobody gets six teeth pulled and the next day calls me. You're looking like a chipmunk. There's no way you should be able to communicate. And you're like, hello, Mr. Dentist. How are you? Thank you for yesterday. It was wonderful. <laughs> so. There's no doubt that our physical experience mirrors what happens in our brain. I mean, we know this. Anybody who's ever watched the movie Shallow How gets it because that was one of the best movies ever produced about how the brain actually works. That the body perceives what the mind believes. The problem is that most people don't understand the power to choose what they believe. So based on my conversations with you and all of the things that I've studied, I'm thinking that activation might actually be accepting that I have the power to choose. It's 100% activation and 100% accepting the ability that you have to choose. There's no such... Imagine if you were one of the people that mentality was that, oh, this is happening to me instead of this is happening through me, mm -hmm. or this is something that I do versus something that is done to me. 
And then you look at a concept of activation level, it wouldn't fit into that paradigm. No, not at all. What would, I guess, well, if it did, it'd be even worse. It'd be like somebody else is activating a thing to me. Oh no. Again, this outer control that has nothing to do with me and my life is faded and doomed and completely, Can other people doomed. activate us? Can they? If you let them, right? Ah, got it. Okay. You let somebody say those words that make you mad and want to punch them when you're going to risk your freedom like a dummy? Okay. You go to a place where you can all of a sudden say, I could kill you or I hate you or something so damaging to your own vibrational frequency that it changes the cellular structure within you. And if long enough and repeated enough could cause enough guilt to create cancer is not something significant enough that you should do, then watch a video on YouTube about when they take water or sand and put a vibrational frequency underneath it and change the megahertz. And you look at the pictures it creates. Like that's not a thing, you know? We're water. <laughs> what do you think happens when we listen to that? <laughs> There's a big thing going on inside us. Yes. And, and so when other people have control over our emotional state, I call that emotional remote controls that we've given to other people or we've accepted from other people where we're responsible for the emotional stability, the emotional state and stability of someone else. So that's my language around it. Your language around it is, are you allowing other people to activate you in a to you. Or positive way? Is motivation internal or external? Do you wake up in the morning and go, man, I looked outside, boy, it's great. Well, that's that, going back to bed. Or do you go, oh, it's sunny, nice. I'm going to go make a million bucks. What, how does that work? Is it externally motivating or internally? That's an interesting question. Based on the scenario you just gave, I mean, perhaps motivating myself to go back to sleep is the greatest gift I could give to myself, being an right. entrepreneur. Yes. Um, and on the other side, the cultural accepted norm is the other, you know, get up, get moving, etc. So I challenge you that the greatest gift you could give to yourself is the choice. That's the entrepreneur's gift, the choice. There we go. All right. So you alluded to it earlier. I'm going to bring it back up and we're going to unpack it. Okay. No more breaks. This is not my language, which would be break as in B-R-E-A-K. As okay. in bounce, not break. <laughs> this is your language, as in breaks, like on a car. G R A K E S. Yes. And so this gift, and by the way, thank you very much. This gift is a five day challenge to take the breaks off and to allow yourself to just flow in the direction that you have chosen to go in. I'm going to say that again to take the brakes off and allow yourself to go in the direction that you have chosen to flow in. If you haven't chosen a direction, keep the brakes on. Don't do this until you're ready to actually own this journey of your life, is my opinion. Very correct, Jackie. And what's beautiful about that is when you're ready to release the brakes, it's funny because a lot of us wait for all the lights to turn green before we leave the house, that rarely happens. We're never gonna go anywhere. So if we're looking for it to be ready to go, this five-day challenge is based on five major components and then a sixth bonus one. 
we're looking at you being able to go, you know what? I'm great with money. Great. How are you with body image? Oh, I'm awesome with body image. Super. Are you good with imposter syndrome? You know what? I may have to think about that. I don't know. How are you with bad habits? Are you good with relationships? Where hold do you it, spend? Hold it. I can't write that fast. <laughs> you know, we got money. We got body image. We've got relationships. I missed one. We got imposter syndrome. Thank you. Okay. We got bad habits. All and right. we got false education appearing real. Fear. Well, what is that one? Fear. False education appearing real. Oh, got it. Okay. Money, body image, relationships, imposter syndrome. Yep. And the fifth one? Bad habits. Bad habits. Thank you. Okay. I cannot write as fast as you talk. So. And number six is your fear. There you go. Okay. So we're, we're going to just go with fear under, fear busting is part of this. Ah, Katie got it. Money, Katie's body, awesome. image, and We know Katie's awesome. We know. Yes. Yeah, it's good to have a team. Let me tell you, I've been learning the value of teamwork more and more every single day. So. So what I wanted people to know is even though it was a live event and it just, just finished, the private Facebook group is open and it stays open because we have a community. And it's very, very different than the normal group where it's like, hey, send me your email. I'm going to send you a couple of videos. I'll send you a little assignment in it. You do it. You don't do it. I don't know. I don't care. Good luck with that. And then maybe at the end of it, I'll try to sell you something. Yay. This is done differently. It's almost an hour, hour and a half of content spread out over five days to get you to examine each of those areas. And after you've examined them, we invite you to take a look and say, hey, that got me over my success blockers. This is significantly where I have a hangup. Some people are great with money. Some people look great in a bathing suit. Some people don't feel like an imposter. They have the most incredible, no bad habits, up at 4.30, no drinking, no smoking. Like, you know, they're made, oh, but geez, the relationships. Or all oh, this one, or all, oh, all, oh, oh, because it's, unless you're <laughs> anointed, it's very difficult to come across with all five and just perfect 10 out of 10 out of 10 out of 10. Very hard. All right, got it. So if somebody was going to take a look at this and say, why do I need this? They would look at money, body image, imposter syndrome, relationships, and bad habits. They yes. would give themselves a scale from yes. one to 10. 10, I got this. One on each one of those on each one of them. And okay. so if they're 10 out of each of those, if they've got a perfect 50 score. Now they've 100% qualified because this was a prerequisite for them to be able to come to personal mastery, controlling your activation levels, which oh, is a course that gives you the best-selling workbook, Personal Momentum, Secrets of Self-Transformation, the 30-Day Change for Life program. And based on the mental, physical, and emotional drills, 23 of them that I learned from Olympic athletes 24 years ago over at Cirque du Soleil. And when we were trying to fine tune, hey, you know what? I'm at a two out of 10 and I need to get to an eight out of 10 because I got to do a presentation right now. And I'm freaking out because I was up all night and I slept horrible. What do I do? You do this mental drill. Bang, done. Oh, you know what? I just came off of this huge buzz and woo. I'm, I'm talking to people and I'm excited. And I just kind of get interviewed and I need to calm down. I'm at like a nine out of 10. I need to get to a four. Ah, oh, do this exercise. Perfect. 
There we go. So it's about the journey. Yes. It's about the journey. So Natan, thank you. My pleasure. You and for bringing all of this to the community. And we'll be hearing more from you and we will continue this conversation mm -hmm. in another session, another summit. In the meantime, I just want to say thank you. I mean, we popped it into the chat, this uh, five-day complimentary challenge, which is no more breaks for this okay. year. And what would your life be like if you took the brakes off? Because so many people, I mean, if you've ever driven a car and you got one foot on the gas and one foot on the brake, what are you doing damaging your car? Yeah. You know, you're not optimizing either. Probably a couple different systems. things on the car. Yeah. <laughs> Both of those systems are designed to operate pretty much independently of each other. And if you're operating them both at the same time, if you've got your brakes on and your accelerator pushed down, you're heating up your engine and not going anywhere. Do you not personally know how many people, Jackie, in your coaching and your business and your outreach use a humanitarian when you talk to people and you hear them and they're so strong and they're so proud and they're so shining brilliantly in a certain area. And then they talk about this energy level and you're like, oh my goodness. How are you at a nine out of 10 over here and at a two out of 10 over here? We need to elevate you, you know, wherever that is. There's a lot of theories about how to bring a system into balance. The truth is just like if you've got a car with four tires and three of them are inflated properly and the <laughs> fourth one is flat, you're still not going anywhere. Okay. So in this case, we're talking about putting air in all of the tires. In this case, there are five. So it's an extended nose on this vehicle. So there are five tires. And if they are all inflated, you are going to be cruising. You know what cruising is? Effortless momentum. Oh, I love that. I love that. Effortless momentum is beautiful. I was speaking to a wonderful person the other day. And they were telling me about how they're having such a difficulty in work-life balance and in family life balance and in personal, I'm at this age of my life and I thought I was supposed to be this far along in my path and personal identity balance and, and so many balances. And they're like, Natana, how do you identify balance? And I'm like, well, it's not yin yang. It's not black and white. It's too simplistic, my friend. You need to consider balance in your life in all of those aspects, the way that somebody who rides a kayak in whitewater rafting considers balance. There's a lot of left, there's a lot of right. But as long as you end up down the road straight, you're good, baby. There's gonna be some teetering. There's gonna be some tottering. Like yeah. you're, when you're riding a unicycle, in order to stay in balance, you literally have to stay off balance, perpetually. There's no way to stay in balance unless you're off balance. That's the only way that that works. So in your work-life balance, don't look at it as aha. Like those silly commercials where they're like, oh, now you've made it. You can put your feet up in the sand because, you know, you've, you've done it. You're a millionaire and you're this. I'm like, really? Because if I'm a millionaire and I made it, I think I'm going to be working at this point because I'm making the most impact right now. <laughs> this is what the payoff is, you know? Well, you know, or, um, on another episode, I have interviewed people who do not have to work. I'm interviewing more tomorrow. 
they, you know, they could put their lives on cruise control. And what they realized is that if you don't use it, you lose it. If I'm not using my talents to change the world, I lose my talents. And so we'll be having that conversation tomorrow with Robert Riopel. The beauty of this conversation, Natal, is how do you get to a point where you could cruise if you want to? Because there is nothing wrong with taking some time on cruise. There's also- I'm going to stop you because you stop everybody. I love that part about you. I'm going to put you on pause. When you say put you on cruise, you cannot do that quantifiably in one shot. Put you on cruise mentally? physically, emotionally, spiritually, sexually, financially, because I can put myself on cruise financially. It doesn't mean that my emotions are good. It doesn't mean my relationships are good. It doesn't mean that my body is in great shape or my health. I'm talking about, there could be a moment where all five of those are, if we talk about the tires, all five are inflated and you're cruising. Okay. There could be that moment. And I will guarantee you, that you will not stay there long. So you might as well get prepared to celebrate it and then look at it in the rear view mirror because you're life so is gonna give you something that's gonna deflate one of those tires. And you're gonna start this process all over again. Do you and not know that? Oh, that's beautiful. What? Jackie, you're so insightful. Do you know that ancient Hindu scripture where they talk about that it's a Ferris wheel? And in the mm. sense that, okay, if you have bad luck, why hurry? If you have good luck, why hurry? Ah. We just keep going round and round. Why hurry? Why hurry? You know? And I've heard multiple interpretations of the stories that are like, oh, you've had such bad luck. Well, maybe. Oh, you've had such good luck. Why maybe? This is the shortest version of that story. <laughs> it is. It's the shortest version. So here's the longer version. Thank you. In an Asian village, young man with his dad, and everyone says, you're so lucky your son is with you. And the man says, yeah, maybe. And the next day, the son is breaking a horse, you know, brand new wild pony, and he breaks his leg. And everybody says, oh, you're so unlucky your son broke his leg. And the guy says, yeah, maybe. And the next day, the Imperial Army comes through and they're recruiting all able-bodied men to go to war and they don't take his son because his son has a broken leg. And everyone says, oh, you're so lucky your son has a broken leg. And he says, yeah, maybe. I mean, it really is the meaning we assign to the events that matters. The events are simply events. And so I've studied in Eastern healing arts and Western techniques and multiple other things and including memory courses from Italy. And this story keeps coming up. Shakespeare said, nothing is good or bad, but thinking make it so. So being mindful of what you think is being mindful of the you meaning. You can go back um, further. We can get biblical if you want to do this. Luke, you're talking. Right, now we're 2000 years. Go ahead, lay it on me. And I am not a Christian in any way, shape, or form. So I'm paraphrasing considerably on this one. But he made it clear that if you believe it to be so in the moment and act as if the wish has already been granted, it will be so. 
Okay, so now we've taken it from the what's happening and the meaning we assign to what are you attributing to your future? If that's not the secret or any of that whole new movement, that's literally the exact same meaning. Believe it now, actively real in the moment. So why not just label everything as good luck, everybody? Why not just label everything as working for you? Okay. Why not? And this is the why not workbook. This is the do it yourself suicide prevention guide is the why not workbook. Why not just label everything as working for you? So that's my treatise on how the brain really works. You'll also find in the show notes for anybody watching this, how to join the Teen Suicide Prevention Society, the suicidepreventionsociety.com. The reality is it doesn't matter what age you are now, you were a teen at some point and you got whacked upside the head by this stuff. And you're invited to take advantage of the gift from Natan. And it'll be in the show notes as well. And Natan, thank you for the conversation and for the gift for everyone. My pleasure. I look forward to many more. Thank you, Jackie.